to ICIT Fellow Insights. My name is Param Eftakari, a senior fellow here at the Institute. We're joined today by Greg Cranley, an ICIT Fellow and the Director of Federal for Centrify. Greg, it's good to talk to you today. You too, Param. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. So today we'll be talking about identity management, uh, you know, some of the challenges we're still facing as, as an industry, specifically in the Fed, and what's coming down the pipe. And Greg, I want to start by just kind of making a, a, a pretty simple but obvious observation that's, that's uh, been frustrating for me over the years, and I'm sure it's been for folks in the industry. I mean, we've had people like Ron Ross from NIST and others talking about the importance of multi-factor authentication for years. Um, but it seems like this layer of security is still not the norm. I think it's changing a bit. Uh, we've seen organizations try to move uh, towards that, especially given the cyber sprint in the Fed. But it seems like this basic um, cyber hygiene step is just not being adhered to. Can you talk about that and if you're seeing any changes in the industry? Sure. Well, you know, the, the OPM thing has certainly put a spotlight on it, the, uh, the breach um, from last year, uh, specifically because they did determine that, that breach was caused by the, um, a uh, compromised identity of one of the contractors. So somebody got somebody's user ID password, and they weren't using a PIV card or a CAC card or some auth- auth- uh, other means of authentication. They were using a traditional user ID password. And I think that the uh, even despite the, the breadth of that breach, uh, still today, a lot of the emphasis is now on only pressing the privilege user to get a... Uh, a digital identity, a PIV card, CAC card, some other multi-factor type of authentication. And it really hasn't come to bear that organizations understand that everybody in an organization today's age is a super user. They're all privileged users, no matter what your job is in the organization. Because of the, the wide use of technology and the, the automation and the technology and the applications that are being used for every individual within an organization to do their job, even down to people that are running the facility, you know, just ordering supplies and such or getting on the network to order them on the Internet. And that requires a, an identity to get to that account to order stuff. And if that identity is compromised and you get inside the network, if you're any good of a hacker, you can find whatever you want and you can get into other places. So... I think until the organizations realize that every user is a super user and they need to be treated as such and that multi-factor authentication needs to be pushed out to everyone, uh, you're still going to see problems with breaches and compromised identities. So why do you think that organizations haven't made this shift in thinking? Is it a lack of education uh, on the part of the um, you know security operations team or the CIO's office or is it um, – an understanding is there, but we just don't want to spend the money. I mean, what's the holdup? Well, I think it's it's part of both, right? It's uh, it's cheaper not to do it all uh, initially, uh, but in the long run, it's cheaper to do it. Uh, but it's what people don't understand. They don't understand the cost of managing user ID passwords and the risk surface area that's created by having multiple user ID passwords. Uh, if they took a moment to look at the return on investment of getting into a multi-factor authentication capability and the reduction of their risk service surface, they would understand that the payoff is huge. Um, the other thing is, you know, a lot of organizations, unfortunately, only do things because they have to, not because they should do it or because it's the right thing to do or this will make our organization more secure. It's 
what does the rule say I have to do? And unfortunately, Tony Scott's 30-day sprint was specifically initially for the privileged user. And a lot of in the federal government, a lot of the federal agencies said, well, if we get the privileged user with multi-factor authentication, we check that box. So that, that implies the lack of motivation and then the lack of understanding of what the payoff could be. Absolutely. We talk a lot about compliance-based exercises have very limited results. So that's a good example of that. Um, Greg, can you talk a bit about some of the common misconceptions that exist when uh, implementing MFA? Uh, you know, you, you talked about the fact that um, you kind of hinted on this, I should say, that uh, people think it may cost too much now, but in reality, they'll be saving money in the long term. So what are some of the, um, the misconceptions here that people need to um, uh, get straight well, I think that they look at some solutions that are very convoluted and require a lot more infrastructure and a lot of new things and new ways of doing things. Whereas, and, and then they also look at you know multiple types of solutions. So, so it looks expensive, and it can be if if you buy spot tools. If you buy one tool to do mobile, you buy another tool to do your cloud applications. You buy yet another tool to do your on-premise applications. That doesn't alleviate your problem, and it also doesn't give the benefit of ease of use. So I think that if uh, folks would take the opportunity to understand and do some really thorough market research and understand that um, there are tools out there that cover the breadth of the entire environment uh, that will leverage existing technologies without having to change things, and they could ex you know leverage existing knowledge base, they would understand that, one, their user experience would go up tremendously from a productivity standpoint and their ability as an organization to control the access uh, quickly and easily using solutions they already have like Active Directory and Carboros ticketing and, and group policy and, and other digital means of authentication, uh, they would really understand how easy it could be. Yeah, and, and you, hit, you mentioned something which kind of um, uh, hints at a problem that I see is that not only do professionals have multiple credentials they need to manage, but they're using them on multiple devices and within an environment, um, these various systems and tools aren't interoperable. They don't talk to one another. So, I mean, how can, uh, how can you avoid needing to buy a different uh, solution for your mobile network versus a different solution for your uh, you know, um, desktops and so on and so forth? Well, you look for a solution that would, would leverage a common existing identity store. So you can leverage one identity. And uh, if you look at the marketplace, Active Directory, Microsoft's Active Directory has won the, won the war. Um, some people don't like that, but uh, that is the case. They are in 99.999% of every place I ever go to, people have Active Directory. Uh, unfortunately, they have other directories to do other things, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, Centrify provides a solution where you can um, leverage a single directory, get rid of all the other directories, have one place for, pe for people to have their authentication rights built in. And uh, what that does for the user, one, if they're using a digital credential, makes it real simple to them to get access to the tools they need to do their job. They'll use it more often. They'll be more productive. And it also allows the organization not to have huge help desks, resetting passwords, having downtime from that. And it also makes it real easy for when you want to bring people on board and when you want to separate from people on how you manage their access. 
either they are or they're not uh, in one place. They don't have to look at 50 different places on, you know, take them off the system, take them off the system and such like that. Yeah, that, that, that's true. It's not just the uh, bringing people on and managing them while they're an employee. It's, it's uh, dealing with them uh, once they leave the organization and making sure that you uh, um, shut down access to all the different uh, systems. And, and, uh, and to your point, that's something that, that can be facilitated. Um, you know, this kind of begs the, the topic of cybersecurity awareness and, and training. Obviously, this is becoming a top priority in boardrooms across the country. But um, one of the things that I think is important is not just going through a training exercise, but also uh, finding ways to ensure that behaviors have changed. Can you talk a bit about this and, and how um, um, MFA can can enhance uh, cyber awareness training and just ensure that behaviors are actually changing and, and going in the right direction? Sure. Um, uh, if you have, if you have a, if you, if you do two things, one is you train and create that awareness and two, employ tools that will enforce what you're saying in your training and be able to audit people's activity, you'll be able to see uh, how the training is adhering by people's activity, if they're actually doing what they say or they still attempt to do things that are risky. Um, you know, and I think, you know, one of the easy things that we could do, you know, I, I have uh, a daughter's college age now, and uh, when she was getting ready to go to college, she had to take a bunch of courses. And, you know, it occurred to me, like, well, why don't they make them all take a cybersecurity awareness class? You know, they, they make them take Microsoft classes, like in all the state schools of Virginia, they all have to learn Microsoft Office, right? Why wouldn't you make them have a, an elective where they learn cybersecurity? I mean, because every kid, no matter what, if, even if they're an art major, they're using iPads, iPhones, desktops, laptops, whatever. Uh, and that would be a great place to start with the awareness uh, and it would also, you know, it could be not only be a requirement for school, but it could also be billed as something as a credential getting out of school and looking for a job because, as you said, you know, uh, organizations and businesses are looking to have people cyber aware. And they're taking time and pain to do that. But, you know, the old, you know, teaching old, do old dogs new tricks is sometimes difficult. And some people don't understand, uh, especially some of older folks don't understand what they're what they do. And the access they have is actually very damaging and potentially uh, very, uh, uh, very risky. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's there's obviously some federal agencies that are working on this. Uh, the the Nice Initiative is, is one of them, and there's some organizations like ISC Squared who are also institute uh, fellows. So um, this this human element of cyber is definitely. Uh, the most important, uh, you know, you can throw all the technology you want at, at, at a problem and put all the money behind it. But if you don't have an aware workforce, uh, both tech, technical workforce and the non-technical, probably more importantly, who are actually have bought into the concepts and are utilizing the technologies appropriately, um, you know, the adversary will find a way in and, and, and mistakes will be made. Absolutely. So, Greg, um, you know, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. It's a good conversation as always, and we'll look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you, Param. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.